Oh, I thank you, Lord. Exodus 14. And I want to tell you about my wife, Miss Valerie, and the First Lady. She has found a way to do announcements like we've been trying to do for 25 years. To make it into a worship service. And I really felt for Daryl who had to follow her. I didn't know whether he was going to sing or... But I'm like him. I feel like we could just all go together right there. And every Monday night, we have Monday night prayer time. And that will continue as far as the Monday night's men. But men, for Monday night's men, you have other options. Let's be discipled. I've been speaking to you this the third Sunday now on uh, living in the in-between. And I spoke to you the first Sunday about Moses living in the in-between. I spoke to you last Sunday about Jairus and his request of Jesus to come and heal his 12-year-old daughter in the in-between of her suffering and Jesus coming, she died. And now I am somewhat reluctant to bring you this very familiar story because number one, you know it so well, many of you. And number two, that not so long ago, one of our evangelists used it in a different context that the Spirit's leading me. But what I found about the Word of God, you can come to the same place another time and find new jewels and nuggets. So we are, I want to look at the whole chapter, but I want to lift up 19 through 22 of chapter 14 of the book of Exodus. And it reads as follows, beginning at verse 19. And the angel of God, who went before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground and the waters were a wall for them on their right hand and on their left. The lesson this morning carries this thought between a rock and a hard place ever been there stretch your hands in my direction pray for me for a few seconds come on lift up your voices God this choir sung lovely this worship is alive and I'm not about to enter some dry place just because the devil would distract or hinder in any way I speak against you devil and I pray that now that we've come to the sea that we can, you've opened up the water we are walking in Lord, I pray the anointing, if it could be, we would be richer and fuller for everybody. God, I pray release of your power for our hearing, for our understanding, and for our receiving. I pray this word to be better than pulling up to the the gasoline station and the pump when our car is on empty. I pray it be better than that. I pray this word to be pulling up better than pulling up to the table when our stomachs are empty. Somebody say amen. I pray this will be better than a runner after running a five-mile marathon coming to a, oh God, to some place of a reservoir or some place of a water fountain. I pray this word would be better for our thirst than that for a runner. God, I thank you today that I am not going to leave like I came in Jesus' name. Because you are the river and the water and the life to us. I pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Thank you for being seated. Keep your Bibles open. Chapter 14, Exodus. Brothers and sisters, we baptized in water in this baptismal pool I'm standing on last Wednesday night. 29 people. Help me praise the Lord. (laughs) And brothers and sisters, 10 of those 29 did not come prepared to be baptized. But they went home, (laughs) they came a dry sinner, some of them, and went home a wet Christian. And others of them came a dry believer, but went home soaked with more than just wet, but the power of God. God is doing a good thing. Have you ever found yourself in a predicament? We have a lot of word pictures in the English language to describe being in a predicament. 
And if you've lived in the South like I have for most of my experience here in America, and so many of you are born here, we have phrases in the South that, that help us to uh, describe what a predicament might be. Something like this phrase, when you are in a predicament, we say, you sure have painted yourself in a corner, haven't you? How about this that's on the screen, describing a predicament? Uh, I feel like I'm between a rock and a hard place. And what about this phrase, up against the wall, or in a pickle? A predicament can be described as being in a jam, and it ain't no strawberry jam. Or in a tight place. At least one person defined a predicament as being a lawyer who specializes in suing doctors for medical malpractice, finding himself in need of major surgery. He is in a predicament. (laughs) Moses and the people of Israel found themselves in a predicament. The Israelites found themselves trapped between Pharaoh's army and the vast Red Sea. I hope that after this morning's lesson, you will not be like this little boy I read about this week. Nine-year-old Joey was asked by his mother what he had learned in Sunday school that day. Joey says, well, Mom, our teacher told us how God sent Moses behind the enemy line on a rescue mission to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Joey continued, when Moses got to the Red Sea, he had his engineers build a pontoon bridge and all the people walked over. After the people walked over, Moses got on his walkie-talkie and radioed back to headquarters and called in an airstrike. Then the bombers came in, blew up the pontoon bridge, and the Israelites were safe. And Mama said, now, Joey, is that really what your teacher taught you? And Joey says, well, no, Mom, but if I told it the way the teacher did, you'd never believe it either. (laughs) And that's what I'm fixing to tell you. After the death angel's appearance, the final plague on Egypt because of Pharaoh's hardened heart, after the Death angel's appearance resulted in the death of all the firstborn among the Egyptians. Pharaoh finally allowed the Israelites to go free. And in one chapter back, and I'll put it on the screen, chapter 13 and verse 18, this is what the Lord says. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of Egypt. Then Moses tells us how God guided the children of Israel in a few verses later. That would be Exodus chapter 13, verses 21 to 22. And this is what he says. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. Verse 22, he says, He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Can I get an amen? Amen. This great pillar began to lead the children of Israel in their journey. The pillar over them, huge and tall, yet far enough above their heads. Because now we're talking about almost three and a half million people being able to see this tool that God has Created to guide them. So it had to be very humongous and very wide and high. By daytime, this pillar over them would be like a cloud of smoke. And when that cloud of smoke moved, the people would move. Sometimes it would stop for days. They would unpack, throw up their tents, and build their little hovel of a dwelling until it moved again. At nighttime, this pillar of smoke 
by day turned into a pillar of fire by night. It could be two o'clock in the morning after three weeks of camping out one place. And somebody on the night watch begins to see this huge pillar of fire over the camp of the Israelites, three and a half million people. And it begins to move two o'clock in the morning. And the trumpeter would get to a high place in the camp with his ram's horn and blow out a loud, long sound. And it wasn't anything about, no, let's wait till morning. It was time for you to take down your tent, load up your donkey, put your stuff on your back because God's moving us. That's how they knew God's will. Don't you wish that sometimes when you're looking for God's will, you could have that happen? Don't you wish you're looking for God's will and, and, and you know, you just, you don't know what direction to go on and over your head there's a cloud and it just moves and you move right to where you need to be? Ah. Don't you, don't you wish that, man, you're going for a job, you know, and you, you put in applications here and there and yon, you don't know which way to go. You got 20 applications out today, you don't know where to go, but this cloud comes before you and you just get in your automobile and you start driving and it takes you right to the place you're supposed to be employed. You walk in the door, they say, Mr. Matura, glad you're here. We have a hundred applications for this. Come on in. The boss is waiting. The cloud just going over your head and you got the job. Huh? Wouldn't it it be so great if if you're praying for a partner in marriage and you're seeking God because you've seen many marriages destroyed, many people married prematurely to the wrong person, they felt stuck. And don't you just wish that you're praying and then you you go to your girlfriend's apartment and you're you're praying about this and you knock on the clouds over there and you open the door and the clouds over her head too. And you're thinking, by the ring, honey, announce the date that we are going to hear bells. But how many, you know, God doesn't always work that way. And so, in looking at this lesson, I have found at least four things the Lord would teach us about when we get between a rock and a hard place. The first of the four begins like this. God's plans are not always logical. Can I get a witness? And I I say that to you to teach you from this verse, chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. Look in the scripture. Not all that I will give you will be on the screen. These two are. Verse 1 says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they may turn and camp before Pi-Hahiroth, between Migdal and the sea, opposite Baal-Zephon. You shall camp before it by the sea. The children of Israel were in effect asked of God to backtrack. They had already come through this place, and God's saying, you got to go back in the same direction you just traveled. This course was to take a direction which in a very short time would place the children of Israel between a rock and a hard place. Because what would happen if they backtrack on this course? They would find the Red Sea on one side. They would find a wilderness that is untracked and barren. On the other side, and they would find impassable mountains, insurpassable mountains ahead of them. What God was telling them to do through Moses was sort of like if you were being chased by a gang who intended to rob you and hurt you, and you were running for your life, and you find in your running you have run into a cul-de-sac or a dead-end street. How many know that's not good? And this is where Israel found themselves. They were like following God to a dead end. How many know that sometimes God's plans are not logical? Say amen. Amen. But from this verse, you need to understand that they had been led to the place they now stand, not by Moses, not by coincidental wandering without a GPS in the wilderness, but by God Himself. Give me a witness. I like what F.B. Myers wrote years ago. He's a preacher of yesterday, yesteryear, but his words are, in my opinion, profound as it relates to this passage. This is what he says. Often God seems to place his children in positions of profound difficulty. 
leading them into a wedge from which there is no escape. Designing a situation that no human judgment would have permitted had it been previously consulted. There's more. The very cloud that every day led them where they should go is the very cloud that directed them back into this place of an impasse. F.B. Meyer further says, and I agree, that you may be involved in a situation like this this very morning. It does seem perplexing and mysterious to the last degree, but it is perfectly okay. The issue will more than justify him who brought you there. You see, I, I rehearse my sermon. I practice it. I study it. I go over it so I know where I'm going. But sometimes I get happier sooner than I should. And I want to party before I get there. And this is where I am right now. I, I want you to know that whatever perplexity or predicament you're in this morning is only a platform for God to display His power and His glory in your predicament. God's just setting you up to show you off. I feel a bald-headed whoop glory coming on. Here's what the Holy Spirit showed me. Coming to the Red Sea is just as much God's plan as crossing it. Yeah. Did you hear what I said? It's God who brought them to this place. It was God's plan to bring them between a rock and a hard place. It was God's plan not only to bring them there, but to cross them over. Oh, I'm telling you, when God does that, He will teach you some lessons you can't learn otherwise. Because again, God's plan are not always logical. And that's why it's hard for people to believe or to surrender to salvation. Because they can't figure out how God could cause a virgin to conceive without the union of a man and have in her seed a womb, the Christ child. They can't figure out how God could come down to earth and live among us. They, they can't figure out how he would preach how he would allow himself to be killed, having all the power he has, Jesus that is. They certainly, many of them says that you cannot come from death because of the nature of the suffering that he went through. You cannot come from death that way. And there are many of them who won't, who, it's so illogical for them to believe in a resurrected Lord and an empty tomb. It's illogical for them to believe in something they can't see or smell or taste or navigate. Somebody help me here. Amen, somebody. You know what? I can't see the wind, but I feel it in my lungs. I, I can't see my heart beating, but I'm glad it is. I didn't cause the sun to rise this morning on my clock, but it came up anyhow. There are just some things I can't understand. How I can ingest food and get energy and keep living. And there's some people who can't understand how you can take red blood and wash a black heart and make it whiter than the snow. I don't have to understand God to know that God loves me and loves you. Somebody take it by faith and give the Lord a hand clap. Oh, uh, you, know, you, know you know what? You, you, folks, you, got, you folks wear me out. I mean that in a good way. I preach to you all like I don't have another sermon to preach. I got another crowd coming just as eager for the word. And I come here and I preach my liver out. Y'all make it easy. I, I enjoy it. But I, and in the last service last Sunday I thought, oh my God, I am tired. But God give me some more anointing. And he'll give you some too. Now, let me show you something else about this, this lesson of the Red Sea. God's plans... Are always made in advance. <laughs> you get surprised by your predicament, but it don't surprise God. Somebody call you up and say, no need to come to work tomorrow. The company is closing. We regret. And there will be no uh, 
uh, pay beyond what you got last week. No severance, nothing. And you might as well not prepare for an immediate return on your 401k. That catches you by surprise. Somebody gets up one morning after 20 years of marriage, and I've alluded to this in the last few sermons only to bring you up to date, and says something like, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. And that surprises you. But God plans are always made in advance. And God knows the devil's plans against you in advance of you knowing the devil's plan against you. And I confirm that with the word. For here's what the word says, brothers and sisters. In verse number 3. He says to Moses, Pharaoh will say to the children of Israel, they of the children of Israel, Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, after I have directed you all back between a rock and a hard place, he'll hear about it. And he'll say that the children of Israel are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. What God was saying is, Pharaoh is going to say, they're trapped. <laughs> and he's going to change his mind about letting you all go. Please, please, please look in verse 4 of your, of your scripture text. Chapter 14, if you're there, say amen. amen. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them, meaning the children of Israel. And I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Oh, my, 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 my. Here's the question. Who has trapped whom? (laughs) Man, I'm telling you, I'm feeling good. I don't think I'm going to beat up myself when I go home today if I keep feeling like this. You know, most of the time, I'm just doing therapy on you all that I need. Yeah. I'm just preaching to myself and throwing it all. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Who has trapped whom? Pharaoh says, we got them in the cuddle sack. We got them in the dead end. The Red Sea's here. The wild desert is out here. And the insurmountable mountains over here. And we're coming up on the rear. And God says to Moses, I'll. <laughs> when Pharaoh comes, thinking I've trapped them, the trap is for Pharaoh. Do you all know the story? Go ahead and put your hands together. God has arranged it ahead of time. For one more time, people who were former slaves in the ghettos of Egypt to see that not only God can send ten plagues and deliver them without them lifting a finger, but for one more time, God's going to show the children of Israel and Pharaoh that he plans ahead of time and he has our best interest at heart even though the devil attacks. Let me tell you something about God's plans. He don't start printing money when you have a financial need. God don't start growing groceries, taters and corn, when you get hungry. God, God don't start grinding up herbs to make medicine if you need medicine when you get sick. Long before you and I ever knew anything about being in our mother's womb, he knew what we was on the way. Can I get a witness here, somebody? Long before we ever had a house payment or a car payment, needed groceries or gasoline, God put it in nature, in the resources. God don't have to bill a bank. He don't have to call up IRS. He don't have to call up Social Security. The Bible says God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And if He could take care of the birds of the air and the lily of the field, I know the number of hair on our head. He cares about you. You, 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 somebody praise him. <laughs> now I know when you call up the doctor and you call up the lawyer and you call up the banker, your failure to plan doesn't create an emergency for them. And they'll tell you that. How many know it? But the devil's plans against you has already been preceded by the wisdom of God. You're still in the word? Look at verse 5. 
Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and his servants were turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us. So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Look at verse 7. And he took 600 choice chariots. And all the chariots of Egypt had captains over every one of them. Look at verse number 8. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with boldness. Look at verse 9. So the Egyptians pursued them and all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea beside Pi Haheroth. <laughs> Sound like a South Georgia town, doesn't it? <laughs> Kairo and Hahira and whatever else is there. So, I'm sorry. See, I told you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Anyhow, it sounds, doesn't it? Uh, before Baal Zeheroth. What, what, what goes on here is that they're following the Lord. Every time they follow the cloud, they follow the pillar, things turn out good. They, they, they're now, the children of Israel have come to where God told them. They hear this rumbling. They, the earth starts shaking. A big old cloud, humongous cloud of dust begins to stir up miles behind in the desert. And they're thinking maybe a sandstorm's coming up. Maybe a mild earthquake is on the way. But the more the intensity of the volume of the sound gets to them, and the, the, the larger the sand dust behind them begins to stir until they can taste it on their tongue, they realize Pharaoh's changed his mind. Look at what the Bible says. Still with me, everybody? Verse 10, and when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. It's amazing what we would do, even though we have history with God. When we get into a predicament between a rock and a hard place. It's amazing what we will do after we saw ten miracles, frogs, lice, water turning into blood. After we, we've seen all kinds of, of miracles in God in our lives. It's amazing what we will do after God has sent the money for the house payment just in time. After God prevented us from having major surgery and took care of our sickness. After God almost raised our loved one from the, from the death. It's amazing what we do when after God protected us on the highway from what had been a sure accident. And we know it was God and we testified. It's amazing what we do when God intervenes for us in our job, intervenes in the force in our finances. And when, when we get into a predicament and fear. The Bible said the children of Israel... Heard the noise of the chariots, 600 chariots, other chariots, horses, soldiers by the thousand. And these people were never trained for military. They never fought a day in their life. For 430 years, their people have been slaves. They know nothing about warfare. And now the enemy is down on their back. The Red Sea is there. The mountain is there. The wilderness is there. And they become paranoid with fear. That's what the devil will do. You still with me? Verse 11. Then then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us to die in the wilderness? Can can I have a moment of just lightheartedness? Because you you know that whether you say yes or no, I'll probably do it. Uh, (laughs) Isn't it just like fear? Just like the response to fear. First thing they do, they cry out to God. Oh God! Oh God, you brought us here. And then the next thing you do after they cry out to God, they find somebody to blame. And it usually is the preacher. Yeah, usually it's the preacher. Get ready to hold your ears, okay? Moses! Were there not enough graves in Egypt that you decided to bring us out here to dig some more graves? Moses! Pastor. You told us to give tithe and offer, and now we're broke, and we need a loan. I, I don't mean this bad at all. But do you know when you give your tithe and offerings to the church, it ain't like you're putting your money in the bank so you can come ask me for a loan later. I'm just a, I'm just a steward. No sooner that comes in, and, and we, take, we, we, we take care of the body of Christ, and we send that out as seed. 
Well, a word to the... I guess we'll strike that possibility off, won't we? Valerie, where was I in this preacher? Yeah, but I don't know where I was. She's blaming the preacher. Why did I forget that? Here's, here's what the problem is. When I get my eyes on the bank, instead of him, I get fearful. When I get my eyes on what Alan can do alone, and I realize there's a Red Sea on this side of the mountain over here, I get fearful. When I get my eyes on what I think is logical and figure out, and sometimes I think, well, if I can't figure out, surely God can't figure it out. You been there? When I get my eyes fixed on the natural, the physical, the explainable, I get fear, and it oftentimes leads me to want to blame. It's amazing what short memory we have. Did you hear me? I'm hurrying. Short memory we have when fear comes in, when a Red Sea shows up and hell comes behind us. We forget to quote scriptures. We forget to get back to the prayer closet. We forget to keep tithing and giving and doing what we've always done to bring us to this place. We forget that sometimes God is the one that brings us to the Red Sea so he could show himself strong again. Help me preach here, somebody. It's amazing to me how sometimes in my life I've trusted God for the most important thing that money can't buy. I've trusted God for my soul. I can't save myself. I can't deliver my... I've tr- it's amazing to me how, I, how the Lord has to remind me how I've, tr- he, I've trusted Him for my soul salvation. That I'm not going to burn in hell, but I live forever in heaven. How I've trusted Him with my soul that I will never die. And how sometimes I can't trust Him with circumstances of money, people, opposition, fear. That's the lie of the devil. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of things that causes us not to trust. There's a lot of things that puts us between a rock and a hard place, and I'm hurrying. You could be diagnosed with a disease, which the doctor says is incurable. It'll bring fear. You, you, you could be in a situation where you have more month than you do money. It brings fear. You could have a child who refuses to do right. Can I get a witness here? I, 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 repeatedly, and I, I repeatedly have people say this to me. Pastor, they're adults now. And we didn't bring them up that way. And, and what, what has gone wrong? And I say to them, don't quit praying, don't quit loving, and don't quit instructing. Amen, church? But it can cause fear. Uh, and on and on it goes. I read an account, a beautiful account of a, of a former missionary now going to be with the Lord. Her name was Gladys Elward. Elward, W-A-R-D. Missionary to China more than 50 years ago. Gladys was forced to flee when the Japanese invaded Yangcheng. But she, she couldn't leave her work behind even though she was forced because of the invading armies of the Japanese. She had only one assistant when this occurred, one assistant. And with one assistant, she led more than a hundred orphans over the mountains towards free China. A book was written about her. It was written by Ray Besson and Ronalda Mac Hunsicker. The book is entitled, The Hidden Price of Greatness. And this is what they say of Gladys in this predicament. During Gladys' harrowing journey out of war-torn Yangtzeing, she grappled with despair as never before. After passing a sleepless night, she faced the morning with no hope of reaching safety with over a hundred orphans. A 13-year-old girl in the group reminded Gladys of their much-loved story of Moses and the Israelites crossing the Red Sea. But I'm not Moses, Gladys cried out in desperation. Of course you aren't, the girl said. But Jehovah is still God. Still God. Yeah. I'm telling you, I have felt like that sometimes. Somebody come to encourage me. I've been so down sometimes and all this hype word people are telling me. 
it didn't work last week, it didn't work last month, I'm still between a rock and a hard place. And sometimes, when the next person comes to encourage me, I'm going to slap them. <laughs> Y'all go ahead and laugh and feel bad about me, but you've done it in your mind too. So don't get, look at me like you're just some kind of holy saint. We're going to have an altar call in a little minute. You've had the spirit of slap come on you. I, I've been there. I, I, didn't want, I didn't want you to encourage me anymore. I want you to come and sing with me. Nobody knows the sorrow I see. That's what's wrong with some of us. We get in the predicament and we go playing country music. I'm telling you if, you, if you ain't convinced how to go ahead and kill yourself and you're just about the edge but you can't do it, you play you some country music. <laughs> I got tears in my ears from laying on my back crying over you as if we give a rip. Just a little. God, you know I've lost this sermon. I hope you'll redeem it somehow. I felt sometimes that God was calling me to be Moses, Jeremiah, and Daniel at the same time. And I've said, I ain't Moses, I ain't Jeremiah, I ain't Daniel. And God says, but I'm God. I'm still God. Somebody give the Lord some praise here. I was doing an early morning walk this week, and before it got too hot in the day, I was carrying some stuff, some heavy stuff. And you know they say that if you, if you do some exercise and walk a little bit, you could relieve some stress. That ain't true. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> Paul says, a lot of you like this scripture. Paul says, bodily exercise profit at little. <laughs> Some of you like this other scripture. So Paul says, I buffet myself. B-U-F-F-E-T, buffet myself. And some of us think he meant, I buffet myself. <laughs> and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, I mean this now. I know, I know you've laughed and, and I, I don't mind it. Just I pray over these sermons and I never know how they'll turn out. Uh, but I do feel this. I heard Valerie, the Holy Spirit, say to me, Alan, worry less and trust more. Yeah. Worry less and trust God more. Worry less. And that's where I'm going. That's why we're going to have a 1,500-seat sanctuary and $6 million and choir and youth ministry and children's ministry and adult ministry because I'm going to worry less and trust more. And you can come and encourage me on that, okay? But first call Ann and make sure I'm in a good mood. <laughs> Two more thoughts. God's plan... God's plans do not need your help, only your obedience. Can I get an amen? I needed that. Look at verse 13. Come to the music and give them the impression we're closing. <laughs> give me something upbeat. Give me something like some kind of dancing music or something. And I want you to lead the way dancing. No, just kidding. <laughs> he could do it too. God's plan do not need your help, only your obedience. Now, I know in my past, I've told people, either in my quiet spirit or I've inferred to people, you know, it's probably good if you mind your own business. And God's probably told me that more times than I want to admit about me trying to tell him what to do. I let you know it's probably good if you mind your own business, son. Because, Alan, my plans don't need your help. What can you bring to me, Alan, that I don't already have? But I can bring to you, Alan... Exceedingly, abundantly, more than you could think or ask. And God says, Moses, well, let me show you what God says. Four things. I'm going to put them up very quickly because I need to. Here's, here's what God's. You need to write this down and pray over yourself this this week. If you're in a predicament. You want to take a whole lot of notes, but just some of you take it and, and I like it. I put it up here so you, could, so you could remember it. But if you want to know what to pray over your sickness this week, if you want to know how to pray over your children this week, if you want to know how to pray over your marriage this week, if you want to know how to pray over your joblessness this week, this is what the Lord told the people of God in the rock on a hard place. Fear not. Can I get an amen here, church? 
Look at verse 13. Do not be afraid. Verse 13 again. Stand still. I know the Red Sea is before you. I know Pharaoh's chariots of hundreds and soldiers by the thousand. And they got sharp spears and they got sharp swords and they got bow and arrows that can pierce armor. I know, but fear not. Stand still. Watch. Look. Verse 13. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again. No more. When? Forever. Everybody say forever. Watch. You know there are times, choir and church, where God tells you to fight and he'll help you. Can I get an amen? There are times when God tells you to move and he'll help you. But there are some times when God says, you just stand still and watch and keep quiet. Now, now, let me wrap it up by telling you this. You know one of the hardest things to do when you are in a predicament is to be quiet? I kid you not. One of the hardest things for me to do if I'm going through a difficult place is I want to tell somebody how bad it is. Yeah. Do you know if you continue to rehearse your predicament, it's like catching fish. The more you tell the story about the minnow you caught, it turns into a big shark by the time you get through with it. It, it, can, it can be elaborated. Give me a witness here, somebody. You know, and, and the next thing you know, the doctor says, you may, have, you may have to have surgery. And you keep rehearsing, I may have to have surgery. Next thing you do, the devil said, you have to have surgery. And, and the doctor says, and if you do, there'll be just a little, little, little bit of insurgent, a little bit of a, a little bit of incision, I should say. And next thing you know, you rehearse that so much, you got your whole belly cut in half. Yeah. Because that's the way the devil, when, when you repeat it over and over to yourself, or you go telling your predicament to Tom, Dick, and Harry... You gotta be very careful who you choose to tell it to. You gotta find you some faith building, power overcoming, blood covered saints of God. And he said, God said, you know what? Hold your peace. I'm gonna fight for you. And God did four mighty miracles for the people. Four mighty miracles. They went forward. God took the cloud in front of them, put it behind. The cloud that was over them, leading them everywhere, God took it and put it behind them. And made it a wall of darkness to Pharaoh and the army and light to the Israelites. Give me, give me an amen, somebody here. While that was going on, it, all night long, all night long, God sent a wind to open a path in the sea. Isn't that what the Bible says? You know why God let it, let it blow all night long? Because in the natural, if God just opened it to walk through, they'd have been bogged down in mud. Uh, anybody hearing me? A riverbed, when emptied, will take weeks to dry up. For you to walk through without being bogged down in mud. Just much as a sea. But God in 24 hours let the wind blow and blow and blow and blow. And dried up the land. Listen to what I read this morning. I read that in this business of delivering from the Red Sea. You got to think about how wide an opening of the sea had to be to get three and a half million people across. Now, in my reading and doing some statistics here, to get the three and a half million Israelites across the Red Sea in one night was quite a feat. Listen to this. If you were to go through the Red Sea double file, me and him, and everybody double file, crossing, there would need to be a line 800 miles long, and it would take 35 days and nights to get through for three and a half million people. So they had to have a space in the Red Sea that was three miles wide so that people could walk across 5,000 abreast each. I'm telling you, we're talking miracle here. And be done in 24 hours. Somebody says that Red Sea used to be called Reed Sea. R-E-E-D. And it was. It's the upper portion of the today Suez Canal. That is on the tip of Israel and Egypt. It used to be known as the Reed Sea. And the naturalists will tell us that it was easy for the Israelites to walk over without there be a parting of the water. Because it was the Reed Sea and it was only about knee deep. And you know where I'm going, don't you? What the naturalist has done is only confirmed the greater miracle. Because if it was knee-high and reeds, how in the world could horses and chariots and Pharaoh's army drown? What kind of idiots were they? Huh? 
But no, it wasn't reed deep. It was a real sea. It was many hundreds and hundreds, of, maybe in some places, maybe half a mile deep. And God created a, a, a wide gap that was three miles wide, put through three and a half million people. And when Pharaoh's army came through, God disassociated their wheel from the chariot. They got bogged down in the sand. God closed the water on them because God is a God who dwells between a rock and a hard place. Somebody praise the Lord. Stand up and praise the Lord. Come on, put your hands together and praise Him. Once you stood, give Him some praise. Come on, help me give Him some praise. Come on, everybody, everybody, praise the Lord. Uh, Jeremy, find a slide that says, A predicament in God's hand is only a highway to the promised land. Did you all hear that? A predicament in God's hand is only a highway to the promised land. I ain't got altar room here, but in the next church, I'll get more. But for what I got, you got a predicament? Hurry up here. Cross. You got to cr- come the aisle. The aisle is your Red Sea. Come on down the aisle. Meet me here in Jesus' name. Come. Any kind of predicament. Come in Jesus' name. Come now. Come in Jesus' name. Pastor, if I don't have to go home with it, I'd rather leave it at the altar. I'm crossing my Red Sea. I'm stepping out. Step, step. My body, my health, my finances, my children. While they sing. I will sing unto sing. the Lord. Keep coming. Keep coming. Come on. shepherd I get to be your Moses I've been here 25 years I've seen some of you in your predicaments don't you let pride keep you from coming down this altar okay. don't you don't you let the devil tell you you've been down there a hundred times if you got a come on look closer up here folks just a little bit closer if you got a predicament this pastor can only bring you to the sea God is going to open it up if you hadn't come yet come now Sing it again. This is my last call. Sing it. Sing it with them. Put it on the screen. Put it on the screen. Clap your hands. this happened? Miriam, the sister of Moses, got the ladies' ministries together, got her tambourine, and stood on the other side of the Red Sea while Egyptian corpses came ashore, and sang and danced that the Lord has drowned the enemies. You know what? There comes a time when Alan Matura and maybe you have to stop praying and start praising. Praising. I want to pray over you and then I want you to sing this praise again. I I want you to leave here and this song will overwhelm you all day. I want you to get up tomorrow morning calling these words. 
You see, the Bible says we are overcome by the words of our testimony. And the Bible also says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we also understand we are what we say. But you're not Moses. You're not Esther. You're not Daniel. You're not Peter. Whomever. You, you and I got heroes in the Bible and they are worthy to be emulated. But when we, when we realize we're not that, we need to understand He's still God. Bow your heads. Those of you that come to the altar, raise up your hands to the Lord. Raise up your hand like you're reaching up. Even everybody else in the church, raise up your hands. Let's pray. Everybody pray together. Tell the Lord what your predicament is and tell Him you're going to praise your way over it. Raise your hands. Tell Him right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over this church. Some people are at their Red Sea. My God, fear has come in and our memories have become short, forgetting what you've done. We are grieving, we are hurting, we are lonely, we are fearful because we are human. But you don't kick us out and you don't forget us, Lord. And God, sometimes we can't even understand your working with us. Telling us to go back and watch ourselves get hemmed in. But help us to realize you're only creating a platform to show up and give us lessons that we cannot learn if everything is going well. I pray healing on sick bodies through your miracle. I pray healing on broken marriages through your miracle. I pray for people who are entering a new season to find that God has planned advance for them. Provision, bread and water and honey in a rock. Somebody say amen. I pray for those who are lonely. I pray for those who are suicidal. I pray for those who feel like giving up. I pray for those who've lost their joy. I pray for those who've lost a loved one in debt and they feel like they can die. I pray you'd give them a song. You'd give them a dance. You'd give them a praise. I pray, oh God, you'd let resurrection power flow in this church. God, I call in jobs. I call in blessings. I call in deliverance from drugs and alcohol and sexual promiscuity. I call in the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on, help me, church. Plead the blood over my body. Plead the blood over their bodies. Plead the blood over this church. We are not defeated. We are not dead. We are not a has-been. We are not going to die. This cancer is not going to kill us. It's going to give God the glory. I am delivered in Jesus' name. Put your hands together now and praise Him. Do it, do it, do it. Stand where you are. as they go. Choir sing it for them as they go.